Time to go rink-wide on TSN 1040. Presented by BTM Lawyers. Coming up this week on Rink-wide. Now five seconds, near side, Pedersen. Pedersen waits, shoots, saved by Lundqvist. Another save up for Tannen. Time winding down, and that will do it. They defeat the Canucks by the score of 2-1. to one. thought our team played a pretty good road game. Didn't give up a whole lot. Bit of a seeing eye shot at the end, and they win it two to one. It's a pullock in the near corner. Ryan will slip, take a look at the clock, listen to the horn, defeat the Vancouver Canucks by the final score of five to two. It was one of those nights, and I like how we battled back in the second. You know, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses, but you are a little bit tired. The game went that way. Backhander blocked out in Stuff. It's uh, it's difficult to comprehend right now. Obviously, it didn't go how I wanted it to go tonight. Five seconds left. Patterson right hash mark backhands it to the side of the net. Patterson again, but the Canadians win it, three to two. Very frustrating, you know. Uh, we had a lead. I think we I think all of us felt that we could win the game and got a lucky bounce. I think of their skate and. We, we just got to find a way to to win and, like, talk as a team. And... Now, here's J.D. Berg and Andrew Wadden. Welcome to the debut of Rinkwide, the show that always scores. I'm Andrew Wadden, and I'm joined by my co-host, J.D. Burke. Of course, Rinkwide is powered by BTM Lawyers. Did you know that craft beer law is even a thing? Well, it is, and BTM does it. The guys at BTM Lawyers help craft breweries with startup negotiations, incorporation, financing, trademarks, acquisitions, and more. If you operate or want to operate a craft brewery like my man J.D. wants to, talk to BTM Lawyers to learn more. BTMLawyers.com. Lots of mouthful there, JD. Welcome. Right, yes. We're here. Have me. We're here, baby. The show that always scores. The Canucks didn't score enough tonight. No. Against it's been the a Montreal story. Canadians. It's been a story. We're gonna get into it. Um and, of course, uh, the fifth loss in a row for the Canucks. Uh, phone boards are open, guys. Uh, 280-1040-844-TSN-1040. That's 844-876-1040. If you guys want to talk about Michael Dalzado, hey, give us a call. He seems to be the hot button issue at the moment. Uh, JD in the inbox blowing up right now. People want uh, MDZ's head on a platter after that uh, late penalty that ended up costing the Canucks in a 3-2 loss to Les Habitants from Montreal. And uh, what a week that it's been. This show, of course, uh, brand new to the airwaves here at TSN 1040. This is basically going to be a recap of the Canucks each and every week. We're generally going to be on 3 to 5 p.m. on Saturdays. Of course, this is our soft launch today. And That's we are right. the post, post-game post show. So let's uh, focus in on the Montreal Canadiens uh, and the Vancouver Canucks tonight. Uh, your thoughts on the game? Well, I, I tend to echo a lot of the thoughts of some of our listeners some of the people engaging with TSN 1040 by text and by the email inbox. And if you want to reach us by text, you can send us a text at 104040. If you want to give us a shout by email, live at tsn1040.ca. Before I get into our thoughts from the post game, and there's a lot to break down there in the Canucks 3-2 loss to the Montreal Canadiens, i got to give a shout out to our sponsor for segment one, Steamworks Brewing. Happy to partner with them. They've been helping me get set up for Shotgun Jake. i got to say that uh, premium craft lager goes down smooth 
even when you're going through it in a matter of four seconds of a time. Steamworks has just launched the perfect beer to celebrate a Canucks win or drown your sorrows in after a loss. It's their new premium craft lager, which is lagered for 34 days, resulting in an awesome flavor and crisp finish because great taste takes time. Now, go into the text inbox. Unless you're shotgunning it, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's not about taste at that point. I mean, certainly <laughs> it's a lot better if you've got a, a good-tasting lager as opposed to, you know, I think I had a shotgun a milk stout like two weeks ago. Did you, that okay, was, okay, hold on a second. That was I, not a lot of fun. I saw that. Did you actually... Did you actually shotgun a milk? You gotta stout? own your takes, man. Wow, it's that simple. You gotta own your wow. takes. I and did say that if Jakey scored tonight, I was gonna do one on the air. Yeah. And being that this is the you know launch of the show, I was a little bit worried about it. I didn't really want to do it, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, it's always when you don't want to do yeah. it that it has to come through. Like yeah. that weekend, I, I'm making an observation about Jake Vertan and not fitting on that line with Pedersen and Goldobin. Uh, actually, I think they'd moved Goldobin off of that line at that point. And, of course, the data backs it up. That line is good for Jake Vertanen. His production goes up. But as soon as you put Vertanen on that line, the production of Pedersen goes down. So yeah. my point was a salient one, but I still had to take the L because he, of course, scores a goal off the rush. And how telling is it that he scores that goal off of the rush and it involves none of his teammates? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, all of my concerns brought to life, except in a fashion that has me walking to the liquor store at 11.45 in the morning. But getting back to this game, it was a really good one for the Canucks, I thought. They come off of a two-game, uh, sorry, not two-game, they come off of a two-week road trip, which has them going out east. They play the back-to-back -back against New York to start the week. They travel a bit further close to home. And it was a tough road trip. I think they finished 1-3-2 and two when it was all said and done. A yeah. lot of people lost to injury along the way. We're going to be getting to that in the injury report in segment two. And for them to battle the way they did in this game, I thought was a positive step forward for the Canucks considering everybody that they're missing, the fact that they're not getting solid goaltending. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Yeah. This is a team that just keeps battling. And you look at it right now, they're not at 500, 10 wins, 10 losses, 2 OTLs, 22 points. If you told any Canucks fan at the beginning of the season that that's what they'd be getting 22 games into the season, I'm having a hard time believing that nobody's going to take that. Now, you look at the reason that they lost the game, a lot of people are jumping to the Michael Delzato uh, blunder, and yeah. we're, we're going to get into that in greater detail. We've got some audio from the rink, courtesy of TSN's Jeff Patterson. I think there's a bit more to it. And and we love to focus in on on the low light uh, the low lights rather, we love to to circle in on those big moments those splash plays. The Canucks couldn't get their power play set up tonight. I know surprise, they had surprise. a goal. I know they had a goal, but they were struggling like mad through the neutral zone. And that Montreal Canadiens team, you see the difference when the Canucks are playing a team with speed. And say what you will about the Montreal Canadiens. They've had a rough few years similar to the Canucks, but the way that Mark Bergevin is building that team is around speed. And you look at the way that the Canadiens forced the issue on the forecheck. They pin the Canucks deep in their zone. They would stand them up in the neutral zone. And I think this is something the Canucks are going to have to look at. I was tweeting tonight that they can't get Quinn Hughes in that lineup soon enough. And the reason why, and we were talking about this before we went on the air, if you're going to do the drop pass zone entry in Which the they zone, do horribly. Yes. And horribly. It's so predictable. <laughs> but the only way it's going to work is if you have a defenseman that the other team has to respect. Yeah. Somebody who has the speed to beat you if you get 
passive. The Canucks don't have that skater, so the Montreal Canadiens are working a 1-3 in the neutral zone. That means they've got the one skater up high and the three players in support. They're not taking the bait when that draw pass happens because they know they don't have to. And I think you saw how that impacted the Canucks' ability to get set up in the zone, and that's why they were struggling so greatly on the power play. And I I think, to me, that's the bigger storyline, even in lieu of that penalty by Michael Delzato. Yeah, phone boards are open, 280-1040, 844 TSN 1040. Also, text us at 104040 or hit us up in, uh, by email live at tsn1040.ca. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to talk to Corey Hergod, who's going to uh, take us on a bus ride in the AHL. We're going to look at the Utica comments, and then we're going to talk to Harmon Dial uh, from The Athletic in Vancouver. He has a very interesting piece that's up on The Athletic right now about zone entry in our boy Jake Vertanen and how he's good at zone entry, but uh, when he gets in there, not a whole lot happens. So we'll talk to Harmon about that. But uh, let's go back into the locker room right now. This is Michael Delzato uh, talking about the penalty that he took late in the game. I haven't seen I haven't seen the replay. Um, my read on the ice, he moves the pocket, would have finished my check like I do every other play. Um, whether it's a borderline play or not, 2-2 two, two game, two minutes left to play. He's put his whistle away a couple times. Guys were throwing bombs at each other in front of the net in a scrum before. He's put his whistle away. I don't know how you call that one. Um, I'd have to see the replay. Whether it's late or not, that's, that's my read on the ice. He moves it up, try to finish my check. Well... He's going to go there, is he? That's what that's what that's what MDZ is going to go. He's going to go to. I mean, listen, you, you, that call is a penalty. I'm sorry if the referees miss whatever throughout the game. In that situation right there, that's a penalty. You can't take a bonehead penalty like that and it ended up costing the team. I mean, we used to count. The way that we'd uh, play football when I was a kid was we'd count steamboats, and then you could rush the passer. I think you got about three steamboats before Michael Delzato lands that hit on Jesperi Kotkaniemi. It's a mouthful. Hard oh, it's, a, yeah, it's a tough one. But what impact does that hit have on the game? Absolutely. And Delzato, you're going to wear an A. You're going to be an assistant captain on this team. Face the media after the game. Own your mistake. That was not a bad call by the referee. That is exactly the call that they're going to make nine times out of ten. Don't put yourself in that position. Don't stray away from responsibility. Listen, you were a healthy scratch for the first eight games of the season. You're going to cost your team a game like that and then point the finger at the referee? For me, it's a cowardly call in the locker room on a stupid play made on the ice that cost the Canucks two points. Let's go to the phone boards. David and Burnaby. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Welcome to Rinkwide. Debut show, first caller. Dave and Burnaby. Yeah. What do you got? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd like to know, guys, very quick question. Uh, what's been hurting uh, uh, the Canucks more? Is it the fact that they're missing a lot of their key contributors or the or they're or playing a lot of road games uh, in, the, in, the last, in the first 22 games? Just like to get your take on that. All right, thanks, Dave. Uh, I would say it's a little column A, a little column B, really. I mean, uh, you look at the players that are hurt at the moment. Uh, Beagle, Edler, Berchi, Nilsson, Sutter, and, of course, the biggest one of them all, Brock Besser. Uh, road trip's never uh, a good thing when you're down that many guys in your regular lineup, and uh, it's going to take its toll on you. But I would say it's a little bit of both, and, uh, it, I mean, it's showing right now for the Canucks. Well, I mean, you look at their, their schedule. They've played 14 road games. This one tonight marks their eighth at home. 
the disparity in there simply can't be overstated. And I know the Canucks have always been on the bad end of the scheduling stick, but this is a special degree of awful when you look at a team that's played two-thirds of their games on the road and you're barely a quarter of the way through the season. How are they supposed to find their rhythm? And I think when you look at the injuries, you can actually directly trace some of that to the fact that they're constantly on the road, to the fact that they don't get the favorable matchups, and to the fact that they're playing back-to-backs and they're being put in situations where there's going to be additional physical strain away from home, away from their best medical staff. To me, I think it's, it's really just... I don't know how the schedule got approved. If I'm the Canucks, I would be raising a fuss to the NHL on the regular for this one because... Can you just imagine... The, the schedule makers coming up with this? Did they do the math on how many miles this team has traveled? Yeah, no it's doubt. absurd. And it's they all, absurd. I mean, hey, and, and the thing is, the Canucks are always going to have that uh, that gripe because of the fact of where they're located, uh, uh, you know, in North America. But uh, you're right. You look at this schedule right now. What have they played? They played 14 road games, I believe, at the moment. to I mean, eight at home. That is just, to start your season, just, and, and then, then you can look at things, though, on a more positive side, and you say, well, later on in the season, they're going to have a little bit more home games but you get down this early and I mean look at five game or five game losing streak at the moment for yep. the Canucks this isn't good I mean you start off this Canucks start off very well in the season now they find themselves you know 22 games in still with 22 points which they'll take the the good thing right now, at least the Pacific Division isn't that strong because the Canucks could find themselves uh, buried pretty quickly. I mean, hey, if they're in the uh, Central right now, you know they're they're tied for fourth uh, and you know uh, three points out or five points out of the bottom. Uh, it's a good thing that they're playing in the Pacific and they might be able to weather some of this storm early on. Yeah, I was looking at the Pacific Division standings and I couldn't believe it. There's only one team with a positive goal differential, and that is of all teams, the Arizona Coyotes. So they're lucky to be playing in the division that yeah. they are. And they've got and what they've got something like twelve shorthanded yep. goals. So the like, Michael I mean, Grabner effect. It's, it, and the, so that's not going to be sustainable. That's no, for sure. No, and and I did think that the Coyotes were going to take a step forward. I thought that they've had some excellent off seasons, but you know what? They just start moving forward this year, and then you find out today that Jason Demers is out for the season with a knee injury. But this isn't a Coyotes show. Let's get back on top. Yeah. I, I kind of strayed a little bit there. I think the Canucks have been playing a little bit over above their heads to start the season. And I think one of the great tragedies about this five-game losing streak and about the road trip and about the injuries is that if you look at some of the underlying data that I rely upon to make my analysis, it shows that this is a team that is actually playing good hockey. This is a team that isn't getting lucky. And if you look at the shot clock tonight, you're looking at a team, the Canucks, they had 38 shots on goal to the Montreal Canadiens, 31. I mean, that is that is good hockey. This is a team that deserves to be winning hockey games. So, I mean, the way I look at it, I'm not sure there was ever a Well, time. hold on, hold on, hold on. Pump the brakes there for a second. This is a team that deserves to be winning. They could have won that game tonight. They were nowhere to be found on Thursday against Minnesota. And uh, you could have the argument that yes, the, that's, the, that's the game, in, the game in, in, in on, well, I would say Long Island, but it's Brooklyn. And I know people get, yeah, Brooklyn's not Long Island. I'm sorry. Uh, but that, you know, 5-2 loss there, that's a deflating loss as well. Out of the the games that we've had this week, I would say they basically were in two of them. The other two, hey. Well, you don't have a chance to be in the game when you've got Jacob Markstrom letting oh. one in from Thomas Kuhnhackle in a in a spot where I think you have an expected goals of 0.001. You know, I mean, like, it's difficult to understate how much that 
takes the wind out of their sails. Yeah. And I thought that they were playing well enough in New York in both of those games, actually, to come yeah, away the, with Yeah, the victory. Islanders game, they got, like, it got away from them. It got course. away from yeah. them, yeah. yeah. And, and, of course, you just trace it back to goaltending. And I think if you look at some of their 5 versus 5 uh, shot share data, it shows that this is a team that is trending in the right direction. There was a couple stinkers in there. I didn't like the game on Thursday, but in totality, if you look at what they're doing this year, they started off getting outshot by an insane amount of shots. I mean, as soon as Alexander Edler went out, I think they were rocking about a 40% shot share. Now it's starting to turn around. So I don't know if there was ever a time where you should have jumped on the Canucks bandwagon, but I'll tell you one thing right now. This is not the moment to jump <laughs> off of it. And that's that's my hot take on this team. It is not time to give up on them yet. All right, let's see what Dave and Burnaby says. Dave, you on the uh, bandwagon? Are you off it? What's going on? Uh, well, you know, it's kind of a rough night tonight. 3-2 uh, loss. I'm telling you, I don't think Del Zotto was very good again there. What do you guys think? No, Del Zotto was... Uh... <laughs> More like Del Zaster, if yeah. you ask me. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, I, I try to give this guy some credit. You think you can pull it off, but ultimately, that was a late call. And it, it's just so frustrating to me, man. As a fan, you're at the game yeah. tonight. You see the game. It's 2-2. We're all jacked up, right? We're all there having a couple of uh, non-alcoholic beverages. And of course. they just couldn't pull it off. It was just so upsetting. Yeah. No, I, I agree, Dave. I absolutely agree. I mean, and you look at Del Zotto's ice time tonight. He was the third highest amongst the defensemen, 1932, yeah. or 1932 in the game. I mean, he had a goal, and then, of course, the blunder, and then it cost him. And you're, you're absolutely right. You know, you just can't get that out of your veteran players. So uh, thanks for the call, though, Dave. And we got uh, Mike in Langley. Is this the Mike in Langley? It is. Guys. Oh, um, my goodness. Congratulations on your new show. Oh, my goodness. I like both of you, but <laughs> I don't want to rip you too hard on the first night. Okay, but go for it. I'm going to. Yeah, no, no, my, my underlying data, this is not a good hockey team, and tonight was not a good night. They're not playing well. The expected goals tonight, they were outclassed. They were burned time and time again on, on um, you know, breakaways and that. We know, we know Gutty and Hutton and Delzaster were blown by. But the point is they're 29th in expected goals. And, and and the thing is, you know, they're just they're just not getting anywhere. They're not going to get anywhere. They got no they got they got Bobby Orr coming next year to go with Dresky. <laughs> yep. And then that's it guys. Their defense and until and I'm sorry, and you know, until they do something about the defense, the best case scenario, what what I mean, five years spending chat and we've got Gutty, we've got Delzaster. I mean the best two defensemen in the lineup are still from Gillis. Horvath's probably the most valuable player, still from Gills, and that's it. I mean, it's not good enough. And and I'm sorry, with my underlying data, they're 29th. I don't see them even beginning to turn around until their defensemen are better. Thanks, guys. Well, thanks, no, for the, thanks, Mike, thanks for the call. Mike in Langley is never uh, short on opinions, by the way, but uh, I'll, I'll agree with pretty much everything he said there. And, of course, uh, looking at the defense, and everybody said it going in. Jeff Patterson said it. Uh, uh, Botchford said it. Everyone around the team, yourself. How do you come back with the same defense core? Well, they did, and we're starting to see that this it just doesn't stand up. The good thing about this is Del Zotto or Del Zaster is what the two callers in a row have called him now. I, I thought I was hard on is, uh Is a UFA at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Pouliot. I mean, the way Pouliot's playing right now, I know he's only 24. I know they they got a real long leash when it comes to him, especially on the power play. Uh, but he's an RFA at the end of the season. They might walk from him. 
uh, wouldn't be surprised. And, and of course, uh, Ben Hutton, of course. But Ben Hutton's proving to be one of the guys that's actually uh, having a... I don't want to say good, but definitely a decent season so far. Oh, I'll, I'll raise the stakes. I think he's having a great season. I, I think you could make a legitimate argument that Ben Hutton has been the Canucks' best defenseman if you look at the entire That bar's pretty season. low, though. It's a low bar. Like, you can kind of hop, skip, and jump over it, you know? It's, My dog could jump over it. Yeah, yeah. She's got a knee injury. The official mascot of Rink Y, <laughs> yeah. powered by BTM That's Lawyers. That's right. <laughs> Junebug, she's taking a nap on the couch yeah. right now. But you know what? Ben Hutton, like, you, you look at a positive example this team can build from. And Travis Green last year pulled no punches with Ben Hutton. I thought he, he went a little bit overboard. And then you look at what he said at the end of the season. What are his skills? He said that in a press conference yeah. about his own player. And then he says, I'm willing to take him back, though, if he shows up in good shape. And he did. And, and he and, did. And, and props to him. He, he absolutely did. It's such a trope, but he showed up in the best shape of yeah. his life. It looked yeah. like he, he lost like 40 pounds. I, I couldn't even recognize him half the time. And he has been the Canucks' most reliable defenseman, their best neutral zone defenseman. Some of the numbers that my friend Daryl Keeping from Canucks Army has been tracking suggest that he's among the best neutral zone defensemen in the entire NHL if you juxtapose this year's data set to what happened last year. So, big fan of what Hutton's doing. And did you see that play in the second period when he's on his, uh, he's, he's kind of swimming on the ice a bit and he keeps yes, a strong right. enough grip on yeah. that stick yeah. to separate the Canadians from getting an easy tap-in goal? That play, to me, en- encapsulates the growth of Ben Hutton. And you know what? I'm going to come at you with a hot take okay. right now. Here we go. Ben Hutton is a defensive defenseman. And he is providing the most value to this team on his end of the red line. And I say red line because he does so much well at the defensive blue line that he becomes a two-zone player in that Well, sense. I'm sure being who you are... You've yeah. got to have a stat to back. You've got to have an analytic to back oh. that up. I know, I know where you've I got to start. Yeah, exactly. Where do I start? I mean, like, when I looked at what he did last year, it's, it's his play in the neutral zone that really sticks out. You know, his ability to stop the opposition from gaining the zone with control. It was among the top 90% among all NHL defensemen tracked in a data set by Corey Snyder. That in and of itself is impressive because the thing is, you enter an offensive zone with control, you're going to get twice as many shots as you would on a dump-in play. If Ben Hutton's forcing that many entries without control or that many failed entries, it's going to have that profound an impact. And even if you look at this year, a lot of the data suggests that he's having the most profound impact on his teammates' ability to control shots in terms of reducing them. So when Ben Hutton's on the ice, his line mates are surrendering fewer shots per hour at five on five, about two fewer shots per hour at five on five. That's a pretty profound impact right there to get from a defenseman who many had considered a offensive defenseman. I think that the way we need to evaluate Ben Hutton has to change because it changes the goalposts. It shifts the goalposts. It puts it into a fair context. Because if we're talking about Ben Hutton like Jim Benning did when he signed him to that contract extension, he's saying if he gets 60 points, he's got no problem paying him. Only 10 defensemen a year if that, are going to cross that plateau. Yeah. So it's not a fair measuring stick. For me, I look at Ben Hutton, I look at what he does for this team. He is a defensive defenseman, and he does some damn good work at that, keeping pucks out of his own net. So basically, if Ben Hutton can play 60 minutes, the Canucks are going to be okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> compared to some of the other options out there, and I, I know Pouliot's been getting more ice time, he's been playing better, but, oh, there are some plays. All right, so uh, that's... Uh 
That's segment one in the books here for Rinkwide, the debut show. Coming up in the uh, second segment, we're going to have uh, Corey Hergott from Canucks Army. He's going to take us on the bus, and we're going to go uh, riding around with the Utica Comets. And we're also going to take a look at the injury report. You're listening to Rinkwide, the debut of Rinkwide, right here on TSN 1040. This is Rinkwide on TSN 1040. Here's Jenny Burke and Andrew Watton. Welcome back to Rinkwide, the show that always scores, as you heard right there with the horn going. Uh, DJ Chantel Chan on the ones and twos. I like this beat. It's hot. Picture me rolling. It should be rolling. All right. Uh, we're back here in uh, Canucks Ball 3-2 to two to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Rinkwide is presented by BTM Lawyers LLP. If you've been injured in an accident, choose the law firm that knows the score. Find us online at btmlawyers.com. And this is the injury report. And uh, this is a uh, segment of the show that if you're a Canucks fan, you might want to, well, plug your ears. Stay with us, of course. Yes. But the injury report, it, it's, it's a bit of a lengthy list, isn't it, Mr. J.D. Burke? It's a little bit bleak this week. There I am rhyming in the second Whoa. segment. That didn't take long. And it starts off... You're with, like Jason Bruff. Yeah, that's... Oh, don't say that, man. I don't know who that's not fair to. It's not fair to one of us. We're going to start off with last year's Wonder Kid, Brock Besser. Groin injury, still not skating per TSN's Jeff Patterson. Hasn't played since his four-point night, November 2nd, against the Colorado Avalanche. Next up, Anders Neal Nielsen took part in Thursday's game day skate per Ben Kuzma of the province. Hasn't played since a 4-1 loss to the Arizona Boy, Coyotes. They, they could use him right now. October 25th. And yeah. yes, oh, yeah. he's... Seriously, they, they need which to is, get him back ASAP. Which, which is so funny because, like, at the start of the season, did you think that, you know, oh, man, we need Nielsen back? Did I, you ever think you were going to say that? Any period of time before this October, I never thought I would say that. Yeah. Like, I, I'm surprised they didn't cut him for Thatcher Demko. I mean, uh, there's a bit of a story there. But, no, the Canucks need to get Nielsen back. He yeah. was making a huge difference for this team before he had a freak injury in practice and broke his finger. Sven Berchi, another player they would love to get back, somebody who has a lot of success with Bo Horvat on that. Uh, are we going to call them the first line? I feel like every, any line that has Elias Peters, Pedersen is oh, by default. There it is. Hey, 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 I caught myself. Elias Peterson? <laughs> that is the default first line. So, okay, we're going to say that Bo Horvat could use him on the second line. He left October 25th against the Vegas Golden Knights, as so many Canucks did. He left with a concussion on a pretty dirty hit by Thomas Hika. His agent spoke last week, and he was saying that it doesn't look like Berchi's going to be back anytime soon, recovering slowly from that concussion. Got a feel for Berchi on that one. Brandon Sutter separated shoulder, four to six week timeline. That was the end of October. He's not going to be back for this month, it doesn't look like. Edler, October 24th against the Golden Knights, out three to six weeks. He's still on the low end of that. Expect him to be another two or three weeks away at the earliest. And there's another big one right there. I mean, if you, I mean well, honestly... Does Delzaldo play if he's, you if could he's look in at, the lineup? Yeah, you could look at every single one of these guys right here and say, wow, do they need... This? like they, And that's the thing with the Canucks, as we know, and we're going to talk to Corey Hergott here uh, from Canucks Army in a 
in a moment. Uh, of course, uh, he follows the uh, Utica Comets uh, for Canucks Army. But I mean, look, like the depth is just being exposed at the moment for the Canucks with these amount of players, the regular players that are out of the lineup right now. And as we talked about the power play uh, in the earlier in the show, uh, Alex Edler, they could really use him on the power play oh, at the moment. But even Brandon ever. Sutter can take some heat off of Bo Horvat. Yep. Bo Horvat taking so many uh, uh, face-offs for the team. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things and every team gets snake bit and it seems like the Canucks uh, just have so, when it comes to injuries, just no luck whatsoever. Uh, and to, before we get to Corey, though, I want to read this text that's in the in- inbox. It's a unsigned text. I'll, I'll, I'll steal a line from Matt Sakaris. Folks, sign your text. My theory on Travis Green <laughs> is, <laughs> I should say it in his voice, but I'm not yeah. going to do that to him. Uh, my theory on why Travis Green is so happy on, or so hard on happy-go-lucky Ben Hutton is that he sees himself in Hutton. Green often said he'd cut himself if he coached himself in the NHL. Uh, Green was also described as happy-go-lucky. And uh, uh, I heard Ray Ferraro on the station, I, I, I think it was last year actually, uh, talking about Travis Green and how Travis Green, yeah, he early in his hockey career, he had to be you know kicked in the pants a little bit uh, to basically get himself to be an NHL. I mean, he spent three years in the AHL uh, after his junior hockey, and then he broke into the league with just 25 points in 61 games. And of course, this is early 90s, uh, and then ended up uh, you know having a 40-point season after that. So maybe there is some truth uh, to that text uh, as we bring Corey Hergott in uh, from Canucks Army. Corey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. Just Thanks one. for... Uh, it, it, Corey, you are the first guest that we've ever had on Rinkwide. How do you feel That's about right. that? I feel pretty good about that, guys. Happy to be on the show, and uh, congrats for you guys uh, to get your, your gig going here. All right, so It'll we... a fun time. Yeah, absolutely. So we just uh, looked at the injury report, a lengthy list of players out for the Canucks at the moment, and uh, hey, the depth is being tested uh, at the moment, but uh, of course, you follow the Utica Comets... Just tell us about uh, who's a player right now that could come up from Utica that could help out the Canucks at the moment because God knows they need it in this five-game losing streak. Oh, boy, that's a tough one. I, I, I honestly, I don't know that there's uh, that there's a player on that roster right now that if you inserted them into the Canucks lineup that they would uh, make a, a sizable difference. Uh, the Comets are struggling uh, right now themselves. They've... Uh, They've only scored 49 goals this year, and uh, there's only eight teams that have scored fewer than them. Um, and they've given up 69 goals, which is uh, the worst in the league. So, Also a nice number. It's uh, it's something that they need to work on. They need to get more goals uh, going in their end of the ice there. Uh, and keeping them out of uh, out of their own net, um, so I'm not sure that there's anybody that's going to make a huge difference uh, down below at the moment. But there are definitely players down there who who will be pieces in the future, in my opinion. Corey, you let me down. We, we have you on as the first guest. I'm trying to bring out the the Zach McEwen truthers. I'm trying to create a movement here. We need to get Zach well, McEwen in the Canucks lineup. Okay, so I'm why, all about giving him time. Where's but McEwen I, I at? Well, he's he's doing well. I mean, the big thing for me is I don't know that they'd be putting him in a position to succeed to bring him up just yet if they if they're going to be trying to rely on him to uh, to carry or shoulder a big load. 
I, I think it'd be nice to get Zach some games in and, and give him a taste so he can see what he'll still need to work on for, you know, I feel at the end of the year he could be ready for, you know, for a call-up and, and definitely be pushing for a spot out of camp for next season. I just, I'd, I'd like to see him dial a few more things in with his game in Utica. Um, I, I think he's really made huge strides over the last season and a bit watching him. And, and uh, I'm definitely, uh, if there's somebody beating the Zach McEwen drum in, in around this area, it's definitely been me for, for quite a while now. Obviously, uh, everybody out here wants to know what's going on with Ole Ulevi. Uh <laughs> Is it at the point right now where Yule Levy should come up, or does he just need to, you know, find his feet in the AHL? I know he's statistically doing well, but there have been some holes in his game from what I've been hearing as well. Well, he's doing fine on the offensive side of the puck. I mean, that side, he's got uh, 13 points in eight game, or 18 games, uh, so .72 points per game. So he's sitting fourth uh, on the team in scoring. He's actually tied with McEwen uh, with 13 points. Um, but I, I, I don't know that he's ready to come up and, and uh, not be exposed when he gets up here because he's still having a bit of a time, uh, a bit of a difficult time with his reads. Uh, if, if he's getting pressured by a player coming at him quick, he's not necessarily uh, quick enough to react to that. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see him dial a few more things in in his own end. Uh, the, co- the Comets themselves as, as a whole over the last uh, seven, eight games, they, they've not been very good in their own end of the ice, and it's been uh, it's been biting them big time. So I don't know if, if Ole's ready, you know, to come up and, and uh, you know, bump somebody else out of a job. Um, that said, I, I don't think it'd be a terrible idea to give him, that same as I said about McEwen, it wouldn't be a terrible idea to give him some games and uh, let him get that taste and, and then uh, he'll know what he needs to work on still while he's down in Utica. I just think there's more time for him to spend down there yet. Yeah, I'm wondering if Levy is just best spent the entire season in the AHL maybe a late season call up I know that uh, the way things are going with the Canucks right now having you know the likes of Alex Edler uh, injured at the moment does open up a spot but I'm wondering if you Levy might be best served to just do the whole season in the AHL let him work through uh, his issues that he's having because like you said offensively doing okay 13 points in 18 games is not bad but that minus 12 whoop, that's not looking too good well, he's running their power play down there too, and and uh, that's that's not an easy thing to do. And I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot of experience in in this business, uh, but I can say in in talking to a few players uh, in Whistler at camp this year, I, I spoke with Ashton Sautner and I spoke with Jagger Dirk, who are at pretty different ends of the spectrum as far as uh, you know, young defensemen. Uh, but both of them said how difficult it is to step into the AHL as a defenseman, as a young defenseman, and uh, Sautner mentioned um, how it's incredibly difficult to step in and, and run a power play or a penalty kill. And uh, having having talked to him about that and seeing what Yul Levy's doing uh, on the power play side, I, I'm pretty impressed on that, on that end with him. Well, moving on down the depth chart in Utica, somebody who used to be occupying that top pairing left side, uh, I don't know if that's still the case anymore or not at 5-on-5, but somebody who the Canucks management is very high on. You know where I'm going with this one, Corey. (laughs) We we need our update on Breezebaugh. 
uh, he's having a good season. I, I actually think he's uh, he's looked uh, quite a bit better since his uh, since he got back from Vancouver. He didn't get to get any games in, but he definitely got his practice time in, and, and uh, you know had some talks with the coaching staff, and they they let him know what they need to see from him. And uh, one of those things was getting more uh, more snap on his passes and his shots, and that's definitely uh, been a trend that I've seen uh, that he's taken that step since he's been back down. His uh, first game back, he hit uh, Jonathan Dolan with a pass out of his own end uh, and caught Dolan at the other blue line, and uh, it was something. It was a beautiful pass, and Dolan went in and got his goal, and, and that's the kind of thing that they need to see out of him. Uh, I, I think he's just he's rounding out his game. He's, he's, I don't think Breezeball is ever going to be a, a top-pairing guy or a second-pairing guy, but I don't I don't see an issue for him to be able to maybe in another two years be a, a third pairing guy in Vancouver who can you know hold a, a steady job there. Speaking with Corey Hergoff from Canucks Army here on Rink Wide. All right, let's uh, let's look at some of the forwards down in Utica at the moment, and one that uh, I know many Canuck fans want to hear about, Jonathan Dolan. What have you seen from him so far this year? Well, the start of the year, I thought I saw what I noticed from him anyway. Is he, he seemed? Uh, I don't want to say he was playing scared, but he was. Uh, he looked like he was kind of shying away from the areas that made him really successful in the past, like going to those dirty net front areas and digging in the corners, and, and that's something that I saw out of him in his brief stint last year with the Comets. But the start of the year, uh, this season, it wasn't like that. And in the last maybe maybe six, seven games, he's uh, he's taken a step in that regard. And I think that might have something to do with the fact that he's been getting uh, a little bit more regular minutes now with a little more consistent line mates. He's seeing that, uh, you know, he's always, every game that he's played, he's been on the first unit power play. So that side of it has never been lacking for him as far as opportunity. But he was kind of buried down at the bottom half of the lineup at the start of the year during five-on-five play. And, and of late, he's been playing with... Uh, either Reed Boucher or Zach McEwen on the right side, and uh, it was either Cam Darcy or Tanner Carroll in the middle for him until Darcy got injured. So they're seeing uh, Tony Cameron-Essey, a uh, PTO guy out of the ECHL, who spent some time last year with the Comets. He's, he's their, their number two man in the middle at the moment, and, and that's not ideal. That's, that's another area where the Comets are really lacking, is that they don't have a lot of depth down the middle, and they don't have a lot of uh, players there in the middle who can you know, be playmakers. Um, guys aren't going to be scoring a lot of goals with uh, Wacy Hamilton or Carter Banks or Brendan Woods as their pivots. So uh, the fact that Dolan's got his 10 points in 17 games, he's putting up .59 points a game, I, I think that's pretty good. He's fifth overall right now in the team in scoring. Um, I, I think he's taking strides. He's just starting to look like he's getting going now. Well, we're just getting up against it right now, Corey, but I got one more question for you, and it's something that's a little bit bigger picture. There's been a lot of hand-wringing in Vancouver, a lot of people who perhaps a bit further away from the scene in Utica than than most who cover the team more closely, like yourself, wondering why aren't the kids playing more? This is something we've heard a lot, and I think it goes back to a theme that's been uh, pretty prevalent, whether there's accuracy to it or not, for the Comets these last two or three seasons. What's your take on the availability of ice time for kids like Cole Lind, like Jonah Gadjevich, Ewa Levy. How are the Comets making it work with all those young, talented prospects in their lineup? 
Well, only Oleby's been their their uh, top pairing left side defenseman since the start of the year, and he's been getting buckets of time, five on five, and on the power play, and he's been getting a bit of spot duty on the penalty kill as well. So ice time's not an issue, opportunity's not an issue for him. Uh, Jonathan Dolan, we just spoke about briefly. He's he's always had that first unit power play time. Uh, he's not seen any time on the penalty kill, and that kind of hurts him a little bit because the Comets uh, they take a lot of penalties. So that's that's a lot of time where he's not getting opportunity to be on the ice. Uh, Lucas Yashik has been shifted over to the middle um, with that center depth being such a challenge in Utica. They've moved him to the middle and they've kind of stapled him to uh, Carter Banks' uh, hip. Uh, my guess is the idea is Banks is, uh, is a good 200-foot player at the AHL level and they want him to learn that side of the game from him. Uh, Yashik is getting a bit of penalty kill time. He's getting some power play time. Uh, he's doing well five-on-five five in this new role. I think he's taken on the center role fairly well. Uh, Cole Lind has only played six games. He's had an upper body injury for the last couple of weeks. He's been listed week to week, and he's still listed. Uh, he'll be a couple of weeks yet, uh, from what I understand. Uh, so as far as these guys getting opportunity, uh, I would say that the guys that aren't getting as much opportunity would be uh, Petrus Palmu and, and Jonah Gajovic. Um, I was a little a little upset today to see uh, uh, Trent Call instead of playing Palmu and Gajovic, he had them in the press box and had uh, Jesse Graham playing as a forward. Now he's a right side defenseman, uh, so he was playing as a forward. The Comets only dressed eleven forwards, so they had uh, huh? they were du- yeah. double shifting, double shifting <laughs> a forward. Yeah, and they were double shifting a forward up front, and they dressed uh, seven defensemen. So Dylan Blue just was rotating through on the defensive end as well so I don't know uh, what the the thought process was behind that maybe Jesse Graham might be able to get a goal or set up a goal because he's got a bit of that offensive side Uh, but I just I don't understand leaving those those other two sitting in the press box now all of that said and don't want to take up too much more of your time here but all of that said all of these kids when they do get in they're getting power play time Penalty kill time or both. They're getting one or the other or both. Uh, Paul Moo is a guy that's kind of getting the short end of the stick, and that's not a pun on his size, but he, he, that's where he's at right now. He, he's he been getting pushed off of pucks a little bit too easily. He doesn't have a lot of room to operate out there like he had in Finland, and I think that's that's been a bit of a challenge for him to overcome. And, and uh, my best guess is is that the coaching staff is trying really hard to work with these guys in practice and get them up to speed so that they can take a re- regular shift without uh, hurting the team. Corey, great stuff. Uh, and, of course, uh, you can check out Corey's uh, work on Canucks Army of co- covering the uh, Utica Comets. So this will not be the last time we have you on the show. We will be driving the bus very often with you around the AHL and the Utica Comets. So, uh, Corey, thanks for being the debut guest right here on the debut show of Rinkwide. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Always happy to come on and talk comments hockey with you. That's Corey Hergott from Canucks Army, and of course, he can now put that on a business card. I was the first guest ever. He can put that on his resume. I was, I was just going to go there. First guest on Rinkwide. When we come back, we're going to take a look at who crushed it sort of this week for the Vancouver Canucks, and we're also going to take a look at who crushed it for the Utica Comets. You're listening to Rinkwide right here on TSN 1040. Andrew Watson. Welcome back to Rinkwine. What is this, 
Fat Joe? What is this? Big pun, man. Uh, big pun, that's right. Alex, I'm getting mixed up. I'm not a player, I just crushed That's right. Yeah, okay, okay. I thought spinning. I had it. DJ SC in the house. And it seems fitting very well to put this with it because this is uh, Who Crushed It? And it's going to be a short segment because not a lot of people crushed it this week for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, losers of five straight. Losers of five straight. And if you're uh, uh, just finding out right now, the Canucks lost again tonight. 3-2 to the Montreal Canadiens. The one and only stopover for Les Habitants here in Vancouver. And let's take a look here at who crushed it. Uh, some lawyer. Oh, this is this segment is brought to you, of course, uh, by BTM Lawyers. Uh, some lawyers bring you repeated hockey lockouts. Boo! Gary Bettman. Other lawyers bring you two hours of great hockey radio every week on Rinkwide Radio uh, show and podcast. Yeah, that's right. It's BTM Lawyers. Find the lawyers you like online at btmlawyers.com. And uh, yeah, so... Certainly my favorite lawyers. Yeah, absolutely. And let's take a look at uh, who crushed it this week. And like I said, it's a short list. Bo Horvat and Brendan Leipzig uh, both had two points this week in three games played. Horvat with a power play goal versus Minnesota, and he had an assist in the uh, 5-2 loss to the Islanders. Well, Brendan Leipzig had a goal and an assist in that 5-2 loss to the New York Islanders. And let's go to Utica as well. I'll take a look at uh, a professional hockey player by the name of Reed Boucher. Reed Boucher. Uh, he had three three games played this week. He had a, an assist versus Belleville, although he was a minus three in that game. He had a goal and an assist versus Hartford. In 11 games played this year, the professional hockey player that is Reed Boucher had 15 points uh, for, has 15 points for the Utica Comets. Uh, like I said, a short little segment yep. there. We're going to get back on track on the other side. We're going to hear the update from DJ SC. You are listening to Rink Wide with myself and Andrew Wadden, J.D. Burke, right here, TSN 1040.